0: Hello, and welcome to the weekly sermon podcast of AZ Vineyard Church. This week, John talks about three veils. Get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Can you just say thank you with me? Thank you. Thank you that you were born and were a man. You were human. Thank you that you showed us the ways of the kingdom. Thank you that you took all of our sins on yourself and took the punishment that was due to us. You took the death that was due us. And then you rose victorious. So we put our hope in you. I invite you right now, Holy Spirit, move on us. Help us understand you better. Help us know you better. Help us see your ways better. Give us the grace to yield our lives to you more. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say "Amen with me? Today, I want to talk to you about three veils, three different veils that are involved in Easter. And um, I think there's deep meaning in these three different veils. There's deep invitation to to God, to what His plan is for our lives, for this world, You see, on on the day that Jesus was crucified, which we call Good Friday, that seems a little strange to call that Good Friday. But that was the day God Almighty took all the sins of all humanity and in His sacrifice, I think we need to understand that, the Father was making a sacrifice out of His love for us. And the only one that was good enough, clean enough, pure enough, was his very own son. And he took all those sins of all humanity, of all time. And it says in Isaiah 53 that he placed them on his son. And his son was the sacrifice for you and for me. Every wrongdoing... Every sin. See, in Adam, sin was released on all humanity. And that's worked pretty good, hasn't it? It's worked pretty good for the devil. We look around at the chaos, the destruction, the unbelievable evil that goes on in this world. And you know what? Sometimes, we've been the one that did it, weren't we? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can speak for myself. And I've looked myself in the mirror more than a few times and said, I can't believe I did that. Has that been you? And unfortunately, that didn't just happen once. Not for me. It's happened repeatedly. And all those things that we've, we've looked ourselves in the eye, if we've managed to be honest with ourselves and said, I can't believe I did that. Ah, what, what was I thinking? What was I doing? All those moments, all those deeds, all that guilt. The Father out of His love for every one of us. Placed on Jesus Christ. And on that Friday, He was crucified and took the death. See, because there's, ultimately there was only ever one penalty for sin. Just one. See, we humans want to make this sin worse and that sin not quite so bad. Oh, it was just a little white lie. Well, you know what? Every time, every lie is part of the devil's plan and destructive. Every sin is a piece of death. See, there's only one punishment for sin, and it's death because the Father cannot bring sin to Himself. Because if he does that, he'll be less than holy, wouldn't he? He'd be less than perfect, and that can't happen. See, there's only one goal that he ever gave us, and that's absolute perfection. Let that sink in. And in the reality that that's not me, in the reality that that's not you, we can experience the depths of what Christ did for us. Because in order to come to the Father, absolute perfection is the only standard. See, we as humans, we want to measure ourselves by someone else. Well, you know, at least I'm not as bad as Rod over there. (laughs) At least I'm better. At least I don't do this. At least I don't do that. And God doesn't care about your at least. Because he cannot accept anything but perfection, anything but good. And so all that we've done, see, and I want to make it, I, before I go on, I want to make this delineation. See, the devil wants to convince you that bad thing you've done, those bad things maybe you still do, that's you. Well, you know, you're just that way the credo i'm convinced the credo of the devil is give up why try i tried to be good and i just couldn't do it anybody ever felt that anybody honest in here i know when i was a kid i grew up going to church and i had some wonderful experiences with god i really liked him i wasn't real sure about the church thing but i liked him And every time I had an encounter with him, I realized how much he loved me all over again. And yet, I'd find myself not good enough as soon as I leave church. And the devil again would say, see, not good enough, Johnny Farmer. Put your name in there. Not good enough. Give up why try. And I'm here to announce to you the glory of what Jesus Christ did for us on Easter. See, because the Father took all that not good enough. He took all that, you'll never make it. He took all that, I can't believe I did that again. He took all that, and He put it on His own Son and dealt with it by nailing His own Son to a cross. And in Jesus Christ, the perfect One, He took all All that sin of yours and mine. And killed it. He killed it and it's dead. And at the moment. At the moment that Jesus Christ passed away and died. He died physically. You guys this this isn't just a religious story. He was a man that lived in this world. And did this. He did this. and in that moment something amazing happened in Matthew chapter 27 verse 50 and 51 it says this and be, it says and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit and behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from look notice from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split Something amazing happened. I want to tell you about the temple. Before Jesus Christ came, the Son of God, and instituted a new deal, a new covenant we call it. But it's think of it like a contract. God making a contract with humanity. He has His part. We have our part. See, two parties sign a contract, right? Okay, the old covenant was based on laws. It's it's kind of wrapped up in the Ten Commandments, which I think most of us have heard the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are good and pure and right. They teach us what sin is. And because we're sinful people, the Ten Commandments point the finger at us, don't they? The Ten Commandments point out what's wrong with us because we haven't been able to keep those laws. The Ten Commandments and all the laws... Of Judaism aren't able to fix what's wrong with us have you noticed gosh you guys are quiet today I I thought that was a pretty good point anybody alive here today hey back from the dead okay you see the old covenant Showed what was wrong with us. And in that old covenant that God made with, through Moses with Israel. And whoever wanted to come and join. Through that covenant there was provision of animal sacrifices to cover over those sins. Not take them away. Just cover them over for another year. And they had, there was a temple that they built. Elaborate temple. The one that was there in Jesus Time was the second one. The original one had been torn down by the Babylonians. It was rebuilt again later. The Jews were again living in Israel. And inside the main building, very ornate, elaborate building. Listen to you guys. The place the building was sitting is still there to this day. The dome of the rock mosque was built, as far as they can tell, right over the top of where the temple was. And just so you know, total sidelight for those archaeology buffs on the inside of this Islamic mosque in six places. Blaspheme in, in the um, mosaics on the wall. Blaspheme Jesus Christ by name. So in the place where the temple where God Almighty was worshipped now sits a building that blasphemes the Son of God. Right on the same spot. In that Jewish temple, there was a sectioned-off part where the Ark of the Covenant... Anybody ever hear of the Ark of the Covenant? It was a wooden chest, if you will, like a hope chest. And on the inside of it, certain items God commanded Moses to put in there. And it was lined inside and outside with gold. And on top of it, there was the figure of two angels facing across the top of the chest. They were facing each other. And their wings shadowed over and touched each other's wings in the middle. And they were behind this curtain. This, it's called the veil. No one was allowed to go back there at all except for the priest. The high priest. One time a year. And he took a special uh, the blood of a certain offering. And he'd sprinkle on the top and cover over the sins. It was on top of the box which was called the mercy seat. Jesus, in his offering of himself, became the last offering, the very offering of God for sin. And when he did that place, that special place that only the high priest could go one time a year, that was sectioned off by the veil, it it says, you couldn't even see back there. And this veil was of twisted material, woven like a massive, heavy-duty tapestry, Tore in in two from the top to the bottom at that very moment. Listen to me. The thing that this tells us is that God is inviting us to His presence. The thing that used to separate us from God, He tore apart. It wasn't your goodness. It wasn't how you can get it together. You know, I love to say this, so I'll say it again. Some of you have been around here For a while, I've heard me say this. As soon as you get your ducks in a row, someone's just going to kick your ducks. It it doesn't work. No matter how good we are, something goes wrong. And God, in His love for humanity, tore that separation in, in half. He opened the way. Later in the book of Hebrews, it talks about how Jesus Christ opened the way to the Father... See, there is a way for you to get to the God that loves you who's only good. And he opened that way on resurrection day. The very act of this terrible sacrifice that Jesus went through is the joyful deed that God did out of love for you and out of love for me. The second veil it mentions in Hebrews chapter 10. It's the veil of the flesh. Now, I, I think we all get stuck here. It's the veil that is the hardest one for us. We can hear the idea that God has opened the way to himself for us. But back to our own, our own weakness. In Hebrews chapter 10, let me read you this passage. The writer of Hebrews Records, therefore, my brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place. He's talking about exactly what we just talked about. Going inside the holy of holies through the veil of separation that's been torn. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with sincere heart, full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed by pure water. He mentions here the veil of the flesh. I've already talked a lot about it without saying so, but listen, God tore the veil of the temple Open so that we can come in. The way for us to God is open. But what we really struggle with is our own sins, is our own weakness, is our own past. I don't really want a show of hands here, but I'll confess for myself, the thing that's held me back the most is my own sin issues from the past. I heard a brother told me that... some. See if I can get my words together. A brother told me this one time many years ago. He said, John, the fuel for the next time you sin and do something you know you're supposed to is embracing the shame and guilt of the last time you did it. The thing that keeps us in the downward spiral is fixating on the last time we messed up. See, there's no hope, there's no way out within ourselves fixating on what's wrong with us. There's no way to get better. I have, I, I've been driving cars for a long time now, and I have noted that I have yet to have a broken car fix itself. I've done a lot of laundry. I have noted that dirty laundry can't make itself clean. So You've got to introduce something else. And yet, we, in our humanity, fixate on what's wrong with us if I only try harder. If I only, I have a plan, I'll do this, and then I'll do that, and then I will, I'll put this plan into place, and then we go read a bunch of self-help books, and then we do it again. Anybody, anybody honest here? I, I mean, that's been my experience. And as long as I'm fixated on me and my abilities or lack thereof, it just keeps going and going and going. See, there's another thing that's blinding me, that's, that's keeping me from God. And it's my own way of thinking, my own way of doing things, my own way of trying to make me better. See. Because I'm still involved in all the laws that only showed what was wrong with me. I'm still fixated on the things that have kept me from God. Even though Jesus has dealt with those things. Notice in the passage, the writer of Hebrews says this, Let us draw near with a a sincere heart with full assurance of faith. See, our problem is the thing that's between us and God is our own self-focus. Our own fixation on me. How I want things. How I think it should be done. Our hearts haven't yet come to that point of facing the fact that I need Him with everything I am. These things have become like the veil of the temple, except they're not. Instead of the, the veil, like the veil of the temple was based on God's design. He made that separation to keep us from coming to Him in an unclean state and being destroyed. And I, when Christ took our sins out of the way. He opened the way. He tore that veil out of the way. But I'm here to tell you the one thing we do, the one thing that tears our own veil, that veil within ourselves, That veil that's between us and God. The veil that we made with our own misunderstanding. With our own ego, pride, arrogance. With our own shame and guilt. It's all woven together in front of us. Trying through the power of the devil to keep us from God. The one thing that we do, my friends, is we grab it and say, Okay, fine, and we tear it aside ourselves. And then we can see the way to God is open. And He opened it up for us. The veil of our own flesh keeps us from God and seeing that He is standing there open armed waiting for us to come to Him. He's not condemning us. He's not waiting for you to fix yourself. He's waiting for you to trust Him. To see that He's the one who has taken your sin and my sin out of the way so that we could come to Him and get the strength we need to actually make the changes. With Father's help, with His power, that's how we actually change. Just like a little child holding Mama or Daddy's hand, He leads us into the way we need to go. But we've got to let him. So we have the veil of the temple. And God tore it. And the second veil is the veil of the flesh. And it's up to us to hear this message of hope. And take a hold of all that veil of our own making. And get rid of it. 2 Corinthians says this, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Let me give you an, an interpretation of that right there. The Spirit of God is here with us right now. God Almighty is all around us, and He's always available to us. And in that, there's always freedom available. Always. We, even we, those who, of us who've chosen, chosen Jesus as Savior, we tend to forget that. We start reconstructing that veil of our own making, twisting it together with some more confusion, selfishness, and shame. Today's a day to celebrate and remember it. Get, Get out of my way. I'm going to my God. I'm going to my Father that loves me. I'm going back to the one that made the way for me. And this junk is getting out of my way today. Today. You see, because at the very core of this thing of being a Christian is a greater issue. And all, and these veils want to keep us away from the greatest issue of all, which is God loves us and he wants, to, he wants us to be with Him forever. God has not made us for these short lives. You know what? I cleared 60 a couple of weeks ago and then boom, I had another birthday and I was 61 all at once. It just, it got me, Jim. It just, it was. Where'd it come from? How, it's like you guys don't sing happy birthday to me. I just had one. Some of you older folks know. I've always been told the older you get, the faster it goes. Dude, that's true. <laughs> it is so true. And everything in the heart of humanity tells us when we lose a loved one. tells us this is wrong, doesn't it? You know, I think of my grandma Farmer died in uh, 97. My grandma Farmer was everything to me. In all my times of trouble growing up, I knew I could always run to my grandma's house and sit and talk to her and she'd love me. Maybe you have someone in your life that was that way to you. All the family would always gather at my grandma farmer's house on Sundays, and I didn't like it because I wanted her to myself. I'd go on Saturday. <laughs> my grandma farmer was, was amazing. She can, you could not pry an unkind word out of her mouth. I mean, she just couldn't do it. And always right on the couch, right by her, right here. Right at arm's length was her Bible. And she would pull it out and read it. She had a TV, but I don't know that I ever saw my grandma watch anything but a preacher on TV. She filled herself with the Word of God. I remember, I'll never forget my first sermon that I ever preached. And, you know, I, I, they back then they had cassette tapes. Some of you don't know what those are. You know, others do. Others of you are saying, What about eight tracks? You know? I brought it to my grandma. I was so proud. And she, she had a cassette player and stuck it in there and she played it. And I, I couldn't wait for my grandma to say, Oh, how good you did, Johnny. That was a good preaching. And she says, Well, you know. <laughs> You said an awful lot about what you think. Stick to the word of God, Johnny. Stick to the word of God. And I learned from my grandma, it's best to stick to the word of God. Don't get off in your own opinions too much. Because God's ways are right. And one of the things I've learned from the word of God is that He loves us. And the point is, we were created from the very beginning to be with God forever. His heart and His desire when He created Adam and Eve, when He created humanity, His heart was for communion. Read it in Genesis. He would walk with them and they'd talk and they'd commune together. He gave them both love and, listen to me, my, my friends, purpose. See, God has purpose, not for us to sit in a church on a Sunday and attend a service, watch the religion show. He has a grand purpose for His loved ones. Let me read you a, a passage from Revelation, chapter 19. It says this, starting with verse seven says let us rejoice and be glad and give glory to him speaking of god for the marriage of the lamb that's jesus christ has come and his bride has made herself ready and it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen bright and clean for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints listen to me my friends we struggle with purpose in life. We struggle with the shortness of it. We struggle with it because we haven't given ourselves to His purpose in this world and in eternity. See, we're not going to sit on clouds and pluck harps for the rest of all eternity like is depicted sometimes. Let me tell you, that's like boring You know, my Bible says when He created Adam and Eve, He put them in a beautiful garden and gave them purpose. He gave them meaningful occupation. He gave them authority. And in the end, God's plan for all of us is to give us purpose, meaning, and authority. All wrapped up in His love. And it comes through relationship. And in the scriptures... Now, guys, hang with me. Gentlemen, you with me? You guys raise your hand. i got to talk to the guys for a minute. It calls the church the bride of Christ. Don't freak out. Okay? That doesn't mean what it means quite, anyway, in this life. In this life, we come together as husband and wife... And and yes, there's the physical differences and there's purpose in that for children and, and, and for enjoyment together. But listen, the purpose of God is eternal. And He's inviting us as the family. See, this isn't an individual thing. We as the people of God are invited to Him, to His love. He's asking us by tearing the veil in half. He's invited us to His heart. I want you to know something, there is an amazing moment in my life where I invited someone I fell in love with to come to me. I didn't do it so gracefully, I won't tell you the story. It's up to her if she wants to recount it. But I want you to know that this woman I've been married to now in a couple of months, it's going to be 40 years. And I, I like to fancy myself when I was a kid that I was a tough guy. You know, I was growed up. I was all of 22 years old. I thought I was really a man <laughs> and a tough guy. And when I saw this girl walk up the aisle, I cried like a baby right in front of God and everybody because I loved her with all my heart. And I knew it from pretty well the day I met her. She's my high school sweetheart. And I want you to understand that there is one veil left that we get to go beyond and into all eternity. And we can recognize through the imagery of Scripture what God's inviting us into. He's not inviting us to be slaves forever with Him. He's not inviting us to be just servants doing God's bidding like the angels. Listen to me. The angels are lower than what He's created us to be. Thank God for them. I mean no insult towards angels. But I want you to know the thing that God Almighty has invited us to. Is an eternity of love. An eternity of union. Eternity of love. Of cooperation. You, you're waiting to see if I'm going to do this, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I won't wipe it off this time. Isn't she amazing? I'm so blessed. I thought I'd leave you hanging there for a minute. See, I'm going to finish my life with this girl. And then we're going to go into eternity. And some people like to say, we're going to, oh, I've married you for eternity. Eh, I'm not so sure it quite works that way. Okay? It doesn't really work that way. That's a teaching for another day. <laughs> See, in this life, he has shown us the depths of love that he wants with us forever through marriage. Yes, there's one veil left that we haven't yet gone through. But you know something? I know where my grandma is. I know where my other grandparents are. I know where my mom is. She's with Jesus right now and it's not a fairy tale. It's real. And in the, in the end, God's going to take All evil. Listen to me, you guys. He's going to take all evil. And anybody that wants it. Unfortunately, some do. And he's going to separate that out from all good. And this side over here, he's going to say, Welcome, my good and faithful servants. And then he makes... Jesus tells this story. He says this odd thing. He says... I was hungry and you clothed me. I was was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you welcomed me in. And they said to him, as Jesus tells the story, when did we ever see you and do that? And he says, in so much that you did it to the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And those on the other side, he's going to say, I don't know you. I don't know you. I almost can't say that without weeping. Because I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. I was homeless and you didn't take me in. And they said, Lord. When did we even have a chance to do that? And he said, because you didn't do it to the least of these my brothers. And the reason why I'm telling everyone this isn't to scare you, although I do hope it does. Because it's real and it's going to happen. Because for there to be a heaven, God has to separate out what's evil. He, if, if heaven incorporates all that we experience here, it's just going to be just like here. It won't be heaven. It won't be heaven. He has to do it. It's not God being mean or evil or judgmental. It's his kindness. And here, in this moment, right here, my friends, he's extending the opportunity to come now. Come now. Choose him now. See, because love, love has to be chosen. Do you want to hear one of the most scared and anxious moments of my life? When I asked her to marry me and I was waiting for an answer. She made me wait for about a day. <laughs> I'm like wringing my hands. You know, I, don't, I didn't think I could take no. I thought it would kill me if she said no. But I knew it was an option. Yeah. Can you see what the Father's heart is right now? Did you, just, did you hear what I just said? Why does God allow evil in this world? Because He's invited a bride. And it's you and it's me. He's invited us to Himself and He's waiting for an answer from you. He's waiting for an answer from love. Not judgment, not anger, not disappointment. All the things the devil tries to convince us is His attitude. It's not true. He's waiting for an answer of love from your heart. And I'm asking you today, will you answer him? Will you say yes to the one who loves you more than anybody else could possibly? And he proved that love. He proved that love through sacrificing his own son and putting your guilt and my guilt on him. Let's all stand. I want to lead us all in prayer right now. And it's, a, it's up to each one of us to choose. See, love doesn't force itself on someone. Love can only be responded to. Love, love is an invitation of hope. Will you love me back? Isn't it precious to you when you tell your loved one, I love you. And you wait, don't you? You wait to hear that I love you back. Isn't that what means the most in this life to you? The Father has made His declaration of love for all of us. And it's our choice. Receiving Jesus Christ as Savior is saying I love you back. It's saying, I receive your love. And in that love, yes, there's a lot of things that happen. Loving him back means he's God Almighty and we accept him for who he is. But it also means he accepts you for who you are. And we grow together in that love. So I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to invite you to repeat after me. I, I want to make this easy for you. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, all you've all you got to do is in this moment say, I do want to receive your love, Father. I do want to receive your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. But I want to invite us all to commit our way to Him all over again. How's that? Let's just say, I love you back. So, will you you say this prayer after me? Father God, I love you back. I receive your forgiveness. I'm grateful for your forgiveness. Because I really needed it. I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. From this day forth and forevermore. Lord, give me the grace to live this life totally for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church. We are located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church and upcoming events, check out our website, azvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D dot com.